welcome to episode 108 of A Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, we talk about the newly released God of War. We look at all the games being released in May for PlayStation Plus and Xbox Games with Gold. We unfortunately have to talk about David Cage. There's a new Doom movie in the works. And for a book club feature this week, we're going back in time to talk about when we would try and build amusement parks that hopefully we wouldn't set on fire. We're talking about Rollercoaster Tycoon. Let's start the show. This is A Link to the Cast. I am your party host this week. I am Mark Robinson. And with me is my... Getting somewhat of a regular special co-host, it is the Roman 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 Reigns of the podcasting audio world, Jack Lazell. Please carry this show for me. Uh, I don't know if I can do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I every time like I'm on with more regularity, I just feel the need to apologise up front to all of your listeners, <laughs> like. I've taken away it as well. I've taken away the beautiful Irish brogue of, of Mr. Dave Ryan. So I, I, I try to fill it out. I'm not going to do a cheap impression of him or anything, but you know, I, I'm sorry if it's not as musical and whimsical in its delivery. What's your best cork accent? I don't know. I just study hours and hours of Roy Keane footage with a notepad and, and try and get down all of the accentations, but I, I'm not quite there yet. I'll unveil it soon. Can you get angry enough to do, to do a Roy Keane? That's the thing. I don't know if anyone could get angry enough to do a Roy Keane other than Roy Keane. So just yeah, imagine probably... you're in Korea and it's 2002. How angry could you get? Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably like some sort of Saipan level of anger. <laughs> uh, maybe I should go there and again, just have the notepad out. Uh, and then a few days later, just be disinterested while walking my dog and surrounded by a scrum of people. That would make me pretty angry, actually. I mean, I don't even have a dog, so I'm already getting angry about the idea of having <laughs> to purchase one just for this research project. Uh, uh, this show's about video games, right? It, well, I mean, sometimes. Uh, sometimes Loosely. <laughs> you know, we talk about other pointless things. Uh, how's... Ephemera is what it's about, uh, Yeah, apparently. sure. Uh, how's your week? Um, actually, you know what? I'll tell you what I'm going to ask you about, because we didn't get to do a catch-up show, because um, that weekend there was far too much to watch. But uh, I don't think I've actually discussed with you your, your thoughts on the WrestleMania 34. So uh, I'm going to get some kind of hot takes from you now uh, on what you thought about that show is this a mini grap up it's a mini grap up usually we have like a mini popcorn social but we're gonna do a mini grap up this week nice uh yes i liked wrestlemania for large swathes of the show i loved ronza rousey i thought that match was really fun I liked. I even liked AJ versus um, Shinsuke match, even though I think a lot of people didn't. And now his uh, gimmick is just that he just nut shots him at every possible opportunity. I mean, in fact, to an almost comic degree. It's not exactly what I'd call a large degree of character development, but it's enough, and it's in a direction that I enjoy. That I'm fine with it. Gangly Japanese guy with like side head shaved, fringe thing, nut shots guy from south of america also have you heard nakamura's updated version of his theme 
I have not. No, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's the theme again, but it's got a slight uh, more kind of. I don't know. The guitars sound a little bit more kind of heavy electronica, uh, and there's a Japanese guy singing over it, and it's fucking amazing. I don't know. It's weird. Like in wrestling, the phenomenon seems to be if you turn into a bad guy, they just slow your music down. Like, do you remember the slowed down version of Stone Cold Steve Austin? his theme tune, and then the time when they tried about six or seven different versions of it when he was a bad guy. Yeah, And I genuinely believe the reason that they flipped Austin back to being a good guy is just because Jim Johnson was like, I've I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. Well, you could tell about the time when he just decided, he just took, like, the riff of it and just was like, all right, I'm just going to down-chug this whole thing. And it's like, you've just, you've, you've ruined it. Um, although I'm worried because if they do turn Roman Hill, like his theme is pretty like I don't know um, sluggish a- as it is. Like I don't know if I want that. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. I don't think I need that going any slower than it already is. Do you know? I actually think that's one of the reasons that people hate him as much as they do. Because it's a knockoff. That shield. It's a Rent Boy Shield theme, and he's wearing Rent Boy Shield clothes. Yeah, I mean, Rent Boy's probably not the terminology I would use. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. <laughs> I would say low rent is probably nah, closer nah. to where you want to be. Rent Boy, <laughs> totally what I mean. <laughs> he does look like the male stripper version of a guy that does that did used to be in the shield, yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting that. But I, I just think because of the the general monotony of that theme tune... If it's already somebody you don't want to see, like imagine, so Bobby Roode, right, is a guy that broadly no one really cares about. And, and I know that's harsh to say it. It's fair. But it's fair. It's kind of fair. But he has, without question, one of the top five theme tunes in the whole company, including NXT, right? So when he comes out, he'll always get a pop because everyone loves to go glorious. Like everybody loves to sing along with it. Roman doesn't have that. Roman has the opposite of that. He attracts negative heat just with a... In fairness, he should be able to come an, a, a bad theme if he's going to be, you know, the guy. No, he needs a good song. He needs a I... good song, obviously. But he should be o- be able to overcome a bad one. Uh, I don't know. I, I actually think it just, after a while, it kind of snowballs and you get sick of it. it. It was very easy in the mid-2000s to be completely sick of hearing Motorhead as well, when every time Triple H just... Then you change your name, you're gonna be the game, you're gonna end the day. <laughs> I don't need to hear that over and over again after someone's laying in the pool of their own blood with a sledgehammer. And you like, know what I'll say as well? Um... Like, for example, say um, uh, Andrade Almas, uh, Cien Almas, when he first came out, or when he first came around, I thought his theme was terrible, um, but now, for some reason, it seems to work, and I don't know whether it's just the character shift fits the theme more, or just because he's, you know, now had a five-star match and is, like, just the fucking boss. Yeah. I mean, that's it, really, isn't it? Like, over the course of that weekend, WrestleMania is not even the show you want to talk about. That NXT TakeOver show, my God, that was 
fantastic from start to finish. Every match on that show was brilliant. Like, I have, like, I, it, there may not have been in the last five to ten years a better top to bottom finish, like, show than that from WWE. Can, can I give you? Can I give you my hot take? Okay. I don't think Champa Gargano was a five star match. Um, I don't. Yeah, but it was very good. It was very, very good. Um, but I've seen some people that are like, "Oh my god, this just this a match was, well, this match was incredible." And <laughs> this a match, this a match, they this a match. Fans. <laughs> um, like they, it had some obviously had some very, very strong points. Uh, I, I Champa got the kind of hill reaction that no one in that company has gotten for some time, like intentionally meant to be the the hill. Um, and he played that to perfection. Um, my my issue with it is that you know because it was a, a WWE story type match. Um, a lot of the time with those types of matches, certainly if they have to go long, that involves like a lot of just kind of waiting around to get to the next bit. Uh, and I feel there was there was a good kind of seven, five to seven minutes that could have been trimmed. Um, but like that yeah, that, that, that ending sequence, the finishing sequence was just fucking incredible. Like the callbacks yeah, yeah. to their prior matches and encounters. The uh, yeah, the cross face lock with the uh, brace oh, was just beautiful. fantastic. And I will say the six way ladder match was probably the most terrifying match I've ever seen. And I swear to God, like I am pretty sure Velveteen Dream came into that match with a death wish because he took some friggin' horrendous bumps. When you're that age, though, like, yeah, I mean, what's it, 22, 23? Yeah. yeah. It, you just don't care. You're like, well, I'm going to live forever, so fuck it. I'm going to do all of this stuff. And it definitely had that feel to it for, for the dream. And yeah, it was brilliant. I ricochet. Like, I think the first thing he did, like, some sort of shooting star flip, like his first move in WWE. And you're just like, good on you, Trev. Welcome to the big time. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, anything else we need to discuss before we talk about video games? No, I think we've done uh, alienating everybody pretty much. So uh, let's move on to the video games. All right, playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Well, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. So, Jack, um, I feel there's only kind of one game that we need to talk about, unless you have anything else before we go into, you know, Dad of War. I got my platinum trophy on Far Cry 5. Fucking hell. <laughs> Gee, all right, fair enough. <laughs> how, did you, how did you find yeah. Far Cry 5? I know I spoke to Dave about it last week. Uh, do you know what? It It's weird because it's just completely polar opposite experiences from actually playing the game and physically interacting with stuff in the world and having a blast versus not caring about a single thing that happens in the story and i tell you what i mean obviously i'm not gonna spoil the the ending for anybody but man the ending of that game there's a couple of ways you can do it and they're both bleak as hell like really bleak and you just think well what is the point of me going through and doing all of this stuff for this bleakness to just be thrust upon me at the end of the game does it like go full on waco i mean 
I, I, again, I, I don't know how much you want me to, to spoil here, like <sighs> whether you care about I, it or I, not. I don't really care. Okay, so <clears throat> spoiler alert for everybody that does not want to know how Far Cry 5 ends. Completely just fast forward this bit. The game ends in one of two ways. Either, because you, you, you know the start of the game, you're going to arrest Joseph Seed, this maniac preacher guy. And, like, there is an ending at the start of the game where you can just walk away and not arrest them and you finish it in 10 minutes. Kind of like the gimmick they did in Far Cry 4. So the, the two endings, there's a good ending and a bad ending, and I would put those both in air quotes because they're really both just horrendous. So the second time you go back to the church, you can choose to just leave Joseph Seed alone again. Uh, and then at the end of the game, as you're sort of driving off, you lapse into this like weird mind control state thing again and then you see like all of your mates and they're all dead and you're covered in red and stuff and it's like oh okay he he's manipulated me with this bliss drug that's in the game into killing my pals and you think great well i should have arrested him and resisted so if you do arrest him and resist mark he sets i i assume it's him although i think that they've told everybody that like on the radio in car radio in the game which i always turned off because it was always kind of annoying uh that there's like warnings of like some sort of weapons test but basically you fight him have this big epic blowout and then a nuke goes off and he drags you to a bunker and he's like you're gonna be my first uh convert for my new church that i'm gonna start and we're going to be together forever, and then it blacks out, and you're stuck in a bunker with nuclear fallout coming out outside. Spare in mind, like, the amount of time you spent liberating every single region in the game and setting all these people free and putting up this resistance that the game ends with you and him in a bunker and everyone that you spent the whole time that you were playing trying to save is dead. So both ways, everybody that you love or have a relationship with in the game dies, but the major way that the game ends is everybody in the area you spent all that time liberating is also dead. So, what the fuck, man? Great, thanks, Far Cry 5. I labored all that time and everybody's dead. And I just that is just bleak as hell, man. I don't think that was necessary, but, you know, artistic license and all that. I, I don't know what you feel about hearing either of those pieces of news. I mean, my favourite game of all time involves the moon consistently preparing to crash into the earth so i don't know how much i can kind of uh critique a game for going for a more bleaker option um it's only... it doesn't earn it though it's not earned it oh really feel like is, so it, is yeah. it just it so i guess where like for example majora's mask is bleak but it's consistently bleak throughout um and actually does have a happy ending at the end if you do finish the game properly so like by the sounds of it like at any point is this whole idea this whole idea of like nuclear fallout like is is there any kind of mention that this is a thing that's happening that this area is going to be nuked or is this just kind of like like proper late game oh by the way there's this as well well yeah apparently there's like uh little hints and and bits on the radio like i said during the game but like if you don't listen to the radio which i didn't you have no concept that this is going to happen really all you're warned about is like that there's going to be some sort of rapture and all the religious crazies usually say that mark and yet <laughs> it never happens like we're still here uh, and, and the one guy that gets to be right if there is a genuine rapture 
there's going to be no one to brag to because everyone's going to be dead anyway. So, like, what the hell, right? Uh, but, yeah, it's just... It, it doesn't earn it. So, like, there's a couple of games I like that end on bleak notes. As you say, Majora's Mask, and even that ends on a happy note. Metal Gear Solid 2, basically, you're questioning the whole fabric of reality by the end of that game. I think they do that really well. And kind of just you don't mind it because it it plays into the story like it's very um, oblivious it's very obvious sorry early in Majora's Mask what the system of the game is and how it is repeatedly crashing the moon is repeatedly crashing into earth and you've got x number of days to get all these tasks done or whatever so you're kind of on board with that from the start Far Cry you spend the whole time trying to save stuff and then everybody just dies anyway. So you kind of feel like if you were going to play Far Cry, like someone gave you the game for free, the best option is just the first 10 minute option of just everybody back away and just seal off this valley of crazy people in Montana that no one cares about and will just forget any of this ever happened. Go to the Winchester, grab a pint and wait for it all to blow over. Cool, so I've now played Far Cry 5. Thank you very much, Jack. Yeah, you don't need to play it now, but you should play it because it is super, super, by the way. Can't say enough nice, great things about the gameplay. Not down on that side of it at all. Had an absolute blast. That's why I got the Platinum, because I enjoyed playing it so much. Just everything about the story is utter nonsense. Okay. (laughs) So moving on to a story that, so far, I wouldn't describe as being utter nonsense. The new God of War is a very interesting game for a number of reasons. Um, now, I don't remember... I, I don't know if you saw the original uh, announcement uh, gameplay trailer that came out a few years ago, um, but I was certainly at the time taken back by the just the radical shift in the way that the game felt. Um, I, I don't know what your experience is with the prior God of War games, but, you know, they're these just kind of wacky hack and slash games built on Greek mythology with Kratos just being big and angry and ripping the head off of everything. And yeah. I, I was There's fine. that one button, isn't there, that you press and he just destroys something. Yeah, it? there's a couple of QTEs here and there. Um, and I was fine with that up until a point. I'm a big fan of the hack and slash genre. But my issue with those games is that they always felt a little bit one note for me. And <laughs> after a few hours... I was like, alright, I've had my feel of this, I'm good, I can move on to something else. Um, But immediately with this, you're like, okay, this feels a lot different. And immediately a lot of people went, Jesus Christ, this feels a lot like The Last of Us, in some aspects. Obviously not, you know, in its story, uh, but just in a lot of its kind of presentation. Um, And this obviously felt like a much more mature uh, God of War game. And certainly when you start playing this one, you definitely get the feel of that in uh, the, the story that it kind of brings to you immediately. But also just in like the area around you, like the whole game feels radically different from what's come before um, in terms of its presentation, its story, its setting. Uh, and so I'm about four hours in or so where the game kind of really starts to open up. Um, and so far, yeah, I'm... I'm having a, a good time with it. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of say this is the best game on the PS4, or certainly one of the best. Uh, I have a long, long time to go before I get to that point to make that decision. But I don't know. Talk to me, kind of where you are with God of War before this game come out, and how you're feeling with it at the moment. Yeah. So to me, that's all God of War. 
probably was. I mean, I, I never played any of them the whole way through. Like, I've only ever been barely present, like, while someone else has been playing it or watch bits and pieces of it on YouTube and stuff like that. And it never really interested me, but this one did. As you say, just the gameplay mechanics and the general feel of the game looks completely different and the reviews started coming out and it was all positivity. And I just thought, well, this is sounds like something that I'd be genuinely interested in. And, and it is so much fun. Like, I mean, like, I just straight away just want to talk about like the, the Leviathan axe and the fact that it is essentially Thor's hammer. you can just whip a big ass axe at loads of stuff to make them dead and then press a button and it just slings shoots right back into your hand i will say the the first the first time that i threw the axe uh at someone who was against the wall and it kind of lodged them into the wall and then you pull it out and they just kind of evaporate or whatever i was like yeah yeah i can work with this yeah and you think it would get old but it doesn't ever get old <laughs> just i i do love that when like an enemy is close to death i will always purposely whip the axe at them and then like hopefully that's not the blow that kills them it's always more satisfying when the blow that kills them is the you you press the return button and it just like whoop, and they just sort of collapse in on themselves that is just genius to me and yeah i i love the i love the fact that within the first few hours of the game like it really kind of like telegraphs to you that this is not just a hack and slash game there are multiple ways that you can play it and there are multiple challenges too so like the first couple of boss fights for instance like you have the there's like the first big monster you come across i can't remember specifically like what it was called but you get to have like a massive battle like with a giant monster on screen and he's got like a big like kind of massive rock thing that he keeps trying to hit you with and that's when you realize okay so instead of like just slapping stuff apart i'm gonna have a more of a ranged approach and that's when it shows you the mechanic of uh of the boy and and his arrows and your little kid atreus he will shoot and you can sort of time it to get the right thing and and you can like really explore what you can do with the axe and aim at it and then the next battle you have is against a guy who at that stage is just referred to as the stranger and he has a lot of speed so if you try and throw your axe at him nine times out of ten he will dodge it and he will move out of the way and like he will do attacks and that's when you have to really get to grips with using the dodge button because it's not just a thing where you can stand and and an aim and it's not just a thing where you can run up to him and, and slash him to pieces like and then just like little things like that they gradually reveal the greater nuances of the gameplay while keeping you invested and everything just feels really slick like it moves straight from gameplay into cutscene back into gameplay and stuff and you don't ever really notice it like it just it's it's completely natural and it's done so artfully like i, I don't know if you like that style but that that was quite a, a new thing to me the way that they managed to introduce that yeah and i think that plays to a lot of what we see with um modern game design and certainly these types of games which are uh, big on presentation and story and how they weave them into the gameplay with the with the narrative and yeah it does a lot of that of 
giving you kind of these intense action scenes um, and then giving you like some exposition or kind of a quiet bit with a bit of exploration or a puzzle. Um, and it does that, you know, as well as I've seen in any other game that tries to do that type of gameplay and that, that flow of gameplay. Um, there's two kind of big issues that I have with the game, or I have had with the game. Um, one of them you just mentioned, I thought that the Stranger fight was kind of tedious. Um, and, like, the point of it, like, I feel that the point of it, it got to, at a certain point, and then it kept on going, and I was like, oh, I'm done with this now, can we get on to the next thing? Um, because the the Leviathan Axe is like, it's a pro and a con, because half the time I have no incentive to go near towards an enemy, because I can just throw the, the friggin' axe at them, and that does the job for me. Like, I can have a tree at one end of the map firing arrows, and me at the other end throwing the axe. Um, which isn't the case with uh, the stranger because the tree's not there, but I was still just you know, throwing the axe and just waiting for the fight to be over. So I found that to be a bit tedious, and that gave me a bit of a warning because it's quite early in the game. Um, but it does also set up kind of some key uh, <clears throat> thread beats for the story. So you kind of have to take it what it as it is. And my other issue, and this isn't so much on God of War, it's it's a modern game design trope for the, the big type of games um, that I just don't see changing anytime soon. And it might just be a personal thing for me, but like there are just so many f like trinkets and collectibles that are just purely there either as um, a trophy incentive or because the game has such a friggin' like um, in-depth. Uh, uh, upgrade tree that just for me I, I just don't want to waste my time with that um, and part of that is because I'm much more of a just kind of want to get up and go gameplay type of person so again part of that is on me but like the way they have to get around you needing X amount of silver of this or that is by having these uh, trinkets around the map that half the time like the ones that are like puzzle based that's fine but the ones where it's just oh the kid is going this way which is the way that you need to go to advance the story well I'm just going to go in the other direction and then around the corner I'm going to find whatever lying on the floor um, it's so lazy like I mean it's a you know the game is absolutely beautiful so exploring isn't that bad in terms of hey it's a pretty game to look at but it's just it's a bit of it's it's lazy game design in some ways because the, there's no challenge there really. It's just you have to do this in order to be able to advance your weapons and whatever. Um, and so, like, you know, as the game goes on, obviously you're going to learn more skills. And that's fine. Um, but, I don't know, it's, it's not what I enjoy uh, in terms of trying to progress my character and get better. Um, and, you know, all the games do this. There's always, like, ten different types of trinkets that you have to collect. Uh, and there are those that enjoy that. There are those that enjoy going back and f uh, finding all of that stuff to get the 100% uh, trophy. And that's fine. Yeah, I know it's not for me. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. I yeah. enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy that. And, and that's fine. I, that, that, I, that's but I not get that. I get the other side of it completely. Like, it, it depends what you're trying to get out of it, really. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was lazy game design, though. I, I think that some people just are naturally more explorative when it comes to games. So people will run around the environment. Like, 
I wasted so much time during my playthrough of Far Cry 5 just because, like, oh, that area of the map has fog on it. I haven't been to that area yet. And and you will go there, and sometimes there will be something there, or there'll be, like, a bunker with a perk point in it or something like that. I quite like that. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that's just... You're right, it is just maybe part of modern games that there's X number of this and that and the other thing. Like, It's something that uh, was one of the few criticisms you could probably level against Super Mario Odyssey as well, is that there was a bunch of different kinds of currency that you were collecting and you were like, well, where's all of this going and what is the point of all of this kind of thing? Like, I'm collecting moons and coins and then these other kind of coins and then some kind of coins buy these things and then other kind of coins buy that and yeah. Uh, the upgrade system I haven't fully got my head around yet as well so I don't mind that like I'm a guy that comes from a Final Fantasy you know junctioning background and sphere grid background and background (laughs) pretty much every possible complicated thing that you can think of so yeah there is that RPG element to it that I haven't quite wrapped my head around yet but yeah I'm just I'm really enjoying it I love the relationship between Kratos and Atreus as well they're just so like it just every opportunity that Atreus seems to have for joy just is just like boy, boy. <laughs> don't look don't look at that <laughs> that's <Yeah>. silly <laughs> yeah. just like this kid just oh, anytime this kid like comes close to or wants to be a kid like Kratos is just shitting all over him and it, it it's it, he thinks that he's kind of parenting in the best possible way and, and like the natural curiosity of, of the child it, it just it adds an element of humanity to kratos's godlike just indefatigable persona that you you haven't really seen in a god of war game before like and i am a guy that does like to kind of buy into a little bit of the protagonist that, that i happen to be operating that's another thing that i found difficult about far cry fires uh, far cry 5's sheriff in inverted commas is that there was nothing there they weren't even a person uh which is why when you look at GTA 3 to GTA Vice City, like that's why there was such a like massive thing there as well. Like there's loads of his- things like that in the history of gaming. But yeah, I I love that Kratos is just now he's much more of a of a person, you know, and that just makes him yeah it makes him feel more human, and he does. And that's that early stranger fight as well helps to kind of show you that like afterwards he's like beaten down and bloody and he's kind of limping back to the house and it's just cool like it's it's a lot more character building and yeah i haven't really found any elements that that i don't like about it so far like once i got to grips with the combat i was i was quite happy yeah so i'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how it plays out and who knows if this is another one that ends up with a platinum trophy, but uh, I look forward to uh, to seeing what the rest of the game has to offer. Yeah, I definitely, I want to go home. I want to continue playing it. Um, I'm liking the small advances there are in, in Kratos in giving him a little bit more humanity. Uh, and obviously I can see that that's going to uh, develop as the game progresses. And, um, you know, I'm really enjoying the environments that they're there to explore. Um, the, the combat feels really weighty. I like that when you swing the Leviathan axe, it feels like a big fucking heavy axe that you're swinging. And, like, the feeling of smacking some of it, there's a good feel to it. Um, and I like some of the other characters that I've met. I don't know how far you're in. Have you met Brock yet? 
no. Okay, so you'll meet Brock. He's not too far into the game. Um, he's basically like a kind of weapons dealer. Uh, he'll, he'll like do enhancements for you, and he's like a shop as well. Uh, he's quite a fun character. He brings a little bit of life that is missing from the dryness of Kratos. Um, so yeah, you, you'll get a kick out of him. Um, but yeah, it's you know I I'll probably have a lot more to say about it by the time I've hopefully finished it by next week. Wow, ambitious. Yeah, yeah. Not gonna say I'm gonna platinum it though. That's that's probably not gonna happen. Well, I am crazy. So <laughs> what are you gonna do, huh? Oh, and by the way, I played about five minutes of Yakuza Six, and I then bought four, and I really want to get through yakuza 6 but i feel like i need to complete god of war first so i am very hyped to go and, and play that because yeah it's just that yakuza games that um mark seem to start off with like so much like uh i'm just gonna reconnect you with all the things that have been happening and all the people in the area and i was like right no i'm gonna launch it in the god of war instead uh, but they're both sat there waiting to be played right now and with that, it is time to make our way to the news. News on the mark! Jack, starting off this week, PlayStation Plus for May includes Rayman Legends and a man that we'll be talking about a little bit later on, Beyond Two Souls, David Cage's Beyond Two Souls. Um, now... Uh, I love Rayman Legends. I think we've done a Rayman uh, game on the the book club feature at some point before. You did, yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of Beyond Two Souls. Uh, Dave sat me down. He made me watch him play through all of Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls. I could <laughs> I could at least find redeeming qualities about Heavy Rain. I found no fucking redeeming qualities about Beyond Two Souls. Other than Willem Dafoe is in it. Oh, that's literally what I was about to say. Look at that. Like a lifetime of friendship <laughs> right there. Willem Dafoe's in it, man. Willem Dafoe's cool. He is. That's it. But that's this, it. <laughs> this game is 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 hot trash. Um, so I am curious. Like, I'm, I'm always curious about um, who, you know, downloads PS Plus games and, and the percentage of those that actually play uh, the games that they download. Um, so I'd be really curious about people who have a PS Plus account who, you know, I, I, I really hope there are those out there that have a PS Plus account who only play FIFA that have downloaded Beyond Two Souls and like, oh, fuck it, oh, you know, it's got Ellen Page in it, so I'll give this a, a spin. <laughs> I can't imagine what they would think of this fucking Wait, train wreck. Wasn't there some sort of creepy situation where, like, the guys that developed the game with David Cage, like, made a naked version of Ellen Page... Uh, is character and it was like present within yeah. w- it, within yeah. the desk or something kind of like dissimilar to the hot coffee situation but like way creepier than that even it's, it's just it's not good we're going to be talking more about quantum quantum dreams uh in, in a bit but um but yeah definitely you know for those that have ps plus go and check out rayman legends because it's friggin awesome yeah i i do you know what i remember when beyond two souls came out it was like Beyond Two Souls and The Last of Us were quite close together. And I remember looking at The Last of Us and I'm like, hey, that character really looks like Ellen Page and Juno. And then a game came out with Ellen Page in it. And for a while, <laughs> for a while in my head before I had played uh, 
Last of Us, I was like, which one of these games is that again? Like, because it just I completely messed my brain up. I was like, no, that's definitely the one that has. No, it isn't. Uh, it's yeah. it's the franchise crossover you never knew you wanted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When's Michael Sarah gonna turn up? Is what I was thinking in his jogging outfit anyway that's a very esoteric popcorn social joke so let's move on to the next one xbox games with gold for me uh in what i think is a slightly more superior lineup although ps plus did get metal gear solid 5 not too long ago uh xbox games with gold gets vanquish uh which i'm pretty sure everyone on sony side is on the playstation side is hoping for that hd remaster uh metal gear solid 5 as well as i saw there was something else that was announced um we've got super mega baseball 2 and sega vintage collection streets of rage which is a game that i enjoy a lot from my childhood um but yeah mgs5 which i know you're obviously a fan of and vanquish which i've only briefly played but i would really like a hd remaster that i could play of that yeah well i mean you pretty much much know my feelings on mgs5 by the way just the fact that you've had that game for free now on playstation plus and xbox gold like that game is vast Mark. and like, it's like like every time that i see a psn sale and there's mgs5 and the witcher 3 for about like six quid each it's <laughs> just like I mean, I, you know, regardless of my feelings on them, in terms of the sheer content alone, that's about, I don't know, 20 hours per quid, probably. Yeah, I, I told Dave, I was like, I've bought The Witcher 3, and he's like, well, you know, that's going to eat your life. And it's just sat on the hard drive of my PS4. <laughs> I just can't, like, I need to find a gap to play it, but I don't think there's ever going to be any gap in my life. I feel like... This is the sort of thing where I'd need to lose my job and then have like a couple of months of like struggling to find one and then one day I sit down to play The, the Witcher and then it's kind of like that episode of uh, Family Guy where they tell Quagmire that there's porn available on the internet. Like you'll just see me two and a half weeks later with like a full beard and just like my eyes all bloodshot and like my thumbs will be pulsating with the strength of the Thousand Suns where I've been playing like 200 hours of a Witcher or something. But yeah, uh, Vanquish is is a pretty cool game to get on there and when is streets of rage never not fun to play it's just you know a kind of genre defining era for a side scrolling beaten up game so yeah why not why not if you've got xbox gold not many of you have though moving on camp triggerfish returns tomorrow in splatoon 2's massive new 3.0 update uh, so Nintendo has announced uh, this 3.2, uh, 3.0 update uh, will launch tomorrow, so today as the time of this recording. Uh, in the UK, bring with it more fashion options, a new map, additional songs, plus a huge variety of tweaks, changes, and bug fixes. Um, so the patch notes are kind of vague, but they promise over 100 pieces of new and returning gear for purchasing in Copolis Square. Um, there's new X-Rank for ranked matches, I don't know what that is. Um, there's a familiar face in solo modes, tend to kill outpost if certain conditions are met. Uh, there's four new weapon loadouts, uh, and Camp Triggerfish is the eighth original stage to join Splatoon 2's now 20 strong map roster. Uh, by my reckoning, <laughs> according to. Take that, that party! 
<laughs> by uh, the uh, author of this article's reckoning that leaves Saltspray, Saltspray Rig, Urchin on the Pass, Bluefin Depot, Flounder Heights, Hammerhead Bridge, Museum del Alfonso, Al Alfonso, uh, and a couple others to go. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's an insane amount of maps that we have. Uh, I just wish that the online functionality would allow you to kind of have some sort of. You know how in Mario Kart Eight you have the option in the online mode to kind of pick the next map out of a selection. Sure. I would really, I'd prefer it if Splatoon 2 would have some feature like that. That's that's my one gripe that I still have with Splatoon 2. Uh, it will be a free download as all other Splatoon 2 downloads has been. Uh, meanwhile, Splatoon 2's recently announced paid Octo expansion is still without a firm release date, uh, although Nintendo have previously suggested, suggested it will be launched midway through 2018. Uh, it's insane that a year later um, we are still getting new content uh, of the uh, of the variety and just amount that we're getting in terms of the content. Um, and you know, every time a, a new update comes out, I always jump back in for a few games of Splatoon Two. Uh, I I bloody love this game. Do you have it? I I do have it. Yes, I haven't played it for a long time though. Uh, actually, version 3.0, I've literally just seen from Nintendo, is now live. So, there you go. <laughs> yep, people listening, like, uh, if they can stop playing Fortnite for 10 seconds, might be playing it right now. Uh, more Switch news. Wolfenstein 2 uh, will be released in June. The 29th of June, Bethesda has announced. Uh, there's an official gameplay trailer showing off Wolfenstein 2 running on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, I've checked it out. It does look pretty good. Uh, now, we spoke about Wolfenstein 2 for our end-of-year game show. Uh, I know that uh, most of us were high, you know, relatively high fans of it. I had my issues with it, but, you know, there are things to enjoy about it. Uh, and again, just like with Doom and pretty much any other uh, kind of big budget game, uh, just the concept of playing any of those types of games on the Switch on the go uh, is, is always a novel feature. Yeah, just the idea of you playing that whole like Hitler section while you're just on the tube <laughs> and someone <laughs> someone looking over your shoulder like, uh buddy, <laughs> is this cool? I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, it's just it's just Wolfenstein, yeah, no worries. Yeah, um the fact that you could play it on the go is cool, Mark, but I don't think I'd ever be seen playing Wolfenstein 2 in public. It's it's definitely not a sort of game that I don't mind someone noticing me, you know, getting that a, my 10th moon at a mario odyssey level but jesus uh, that's fair yeah. i i wonder because like um for the most part i played mario just on my tv zelda i played a lot on my switch and uh, uh like handheld and uh it it did not like the battery that much uh, i can't imagine what the likes of doom or wolfenstein are like for the battery they must fucking just chew through that thing in no time yeah, you would think so. Mario was always decent, like on the battery where I played at lunchtime. I've played Doom a little bit uh, in the battery, like in the, sorry, non-TV mode, because I got it uh, for Christmas. <sighs> it wasn't too bad, but then I, don't, I didn't really keep much of a track of it, I suppose. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have an answer for you on that one. But if, if different games like significantly reduce battery time in your switch 
be interesting to see that if someone did an article or like an in-depth study on like the best games to play on the move um and i'd imagine it'd probably come out with like arms or something to be the number one just because everyone seems to love it so much i'm sure digital foundry at some point have done something to that degree because they're big fans of that kind of thing uh david cage again in the news detroit developer quantic dreams sues french media over articles on toxic work conditions so did you see um this whole thing that came out not too long ago about uh quantic dreams uh being shall we say problematic with their working conditions i did yes yeah yeah so last week uh ceo of quantic dream uh and founder david cage flew to new york city to show demos of his dramatic new ps4 game detroit become human to press uh, in his home city of paris meanwhile a different type of drama was unfolding french journalists were defending themselves against cage's legal charges uh, so quantic dream have sued french newspaper le monde and the website media part for a report for a report on the studio's working conditions uh, this is from kotaku that have uh, put the story out as far as they can tell this is the first incident of a video game studio taking legal action against the press for negative reporting uh, cage and his co-ceo who has a name that i'm not going to pronounce because it's very very french uh, has threatened li- uh, litigation in january when the reports hit but some observers assumed that this was posturing uh, it wasn't as both cage and the media outlets have confirmed to kotaku so yeah i'm not going to go fully into it you can go and read up more about it but uh Basically, the reports that the Shido's management had uh, made inappropriate sexual and racist comments, um, and yeah, just just a whole bunch of kind of stuff that uh, doesn't really fly in today's landscape. Um, yeah. Nor should it. Ever. Nor should it. No. So, and obviously, Cage has. Defend- Maybe they were watching Mad Men or something, and they were like, "Oh, this is the way we should act yeah. around women." So Cage has has defended this outright from the get-go and now, you know, obviously uh, suing the French media over it. Uh, I'll be very curious to see how this goes down. It's very ballsy. Very ballsy. There are not many countries in the world that have the same uh, reaction to somebody challenging a freedom of speech or freedom of the press as much as France. Like, they're national saying is like liberté equality (laughs) like you just you think okay right so freedom straight away is very very important um and like a lot of the things that kind of led to the the charlie hebdo situation which obviously ended in a horrific uh shooting of people that worked there uh was just because they just flatly refused to take any of the threats or whatever seriously and just kept doing what they wanted i very much doubt le monde is gonna do anything about like uh apologizing or whatever and it just it depends how they covered it obviously i I don't speak french so i can't really go and read the original articles but i i feel like as long as they sort of said this is our source and this is what was explained to us can they really 
be sued for defamation or is this just bullshit posturing by david cage well that's what everyone presumed it was but you know they are they they're going all in with this uh zim quantic dream denied the accusations and a month later uh, they put out another statement calling it a smear campaign uh which really i mean they released beyond two souls so no one needs to do that for them <laughs> man you are not high on beyond two souls <laughs> uh but effectively um Quantic Dream are are going to be saying that you know they want the judges to to look into this and see if the stories were handled in fairness and with good faith, uh, and you know if they reached all parties involved to get you know all parties' perspective. Um, so uh, I guess we'll see how this goes on. Um, you know I'm sure this is going to be a story that's going to unfold for a while. Yeah. Uh... It usually does, and then at some point it ends with a whimper when either one person settles with another person or one lawyer is just like, this is absolutely frivolous, get them off here, and then they run away with their tail between their legs. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends with some sort of out-of-court settlement at some point. Um, Summer Games Done Quick reveals full speedrun schedule for 2018. I don't know about you, Jack, but I'm a big fan of the uh, Games Done Quick events that happen usually twice a year, I think. Um, A, because it involves the speedrunning community, who are only one of the very few bright beacons of positivity and love in gaming communities. Um, That's fair. Uh, yeah, and two, because they uh, raise a ton of money for, for charities. Uh, usually, the one I, I usually see is uh, Doctors Without Borders. Uh, and, you know, just, just raise so much money for, for excellent causes. Um, I've watched a load of videos over the years. I've seen some of my favorite games just broken in ways that I wouldn't have possibly imagined. Um, and yeah, it's always a, a good great time for everyone involved. Uh, basically, as usual, old faithfuls like Super Metroid and Ghost in Goblins uh, will be uh, played, uh, but there's also going to be some new games, um, and this is one of the exciting things about the Games Done Quick series, is obviously we get new games each year, so they're going to be the likes of Cuphead and Enter the Gungeon that are going to be speedrun. Wow, speedrunning Cuphead is oh, yeah. brave, my oh, friend. Yeah. Um, there is a whole schedule for this um, and just having a look at kind of some of the stuff randomly uh, Banjo-Tooie, Spyro the Dragon, Iconoclast which is a game that came out in January uh, which I, it was actually is, is there's a, a deal on uh, the PSN store that's down to like 13 quid at the moment which is a game that I really want to have a look at uh, there's fucking like Animaniacs is a game that's being speedrun <laughs> you know it's of just course. everything. Everything is on here. Um, and then there's the more kind of obvious stuff like Axiom Verge, Mega Man, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and Tomb Raider. Uh, the Simpsons Hit and Run is getting a speed run this year. I don't nice. think I've seen that before. I, no, I, I'm very much up for watching that because that is a game that I've been meaning to revisit for quite some time. Um. And yeah, so, you know, go and have a look. Oh my god, Wiz and Liz, the Frantic Wabbit Rescue, which was a Mega Drive game I remember playing as a child. Oh, oh that's taking me back, Jack. Uh, yeah, so... You who can... is, by the way, who is speedrunning that? Like, yeah, this is the thing I love about the speedrunning community, right? Is there's people that are so dedicated to this that they're prepared to, like, break something apart, like, to the very nth degree and then turn it into a competitive sport like it 
it's it requires an attention to detail and i've got to say a borderline mania that i can only respect and revere like i'm not even you know some people probably like oh these guys are sados but it's like no no, like that is impressive what i appreciate is that we've gotten to the point where you know the obvious games have been speed run to death so the people out there like what is the most fucking niche or like mundane platformer on the super nes that no one else is playing all right hook fuck it yeah let's do a speed run of that and get the world record it's just it's it's beautiful and of course there will be a speed run of celeste which i will absolutely be watching because i've played that game and i almost beat it and let me tell you there is no way i could finish that in under three hours or whatever friggin ridiculous time they'll get that finished in Man, I watched some of the videos of you playing that game, and it just made me never want to play video games again. <laughs> I was like, if this is what all video games were, I don't think I could do that. It it looked like torture to me. The, the upsetting thing is that I got right to the end, and there's a particular mechanic that involves you wall jumping off a wall and then getting like extra boost or leverage from that wall jump. Um, but then it asks you to do it twice in a row, f- run over or jump over some s- uh, spikes from that, and then do the, the the wall jump again. And I could only ever do it the the twice. Um, and you know when you play a game like for ages and you just kind of get into the zone with it, but then you you leave it for a couple of weeks and then come back to it and you're like I can't do this anymore. Uh, that that's what's happened with Celeste. So I like I literally I cannot finish that game unless I go from the beginning and rewire how. The, the jumping works in that game um yeah it's it's a bastard and i'm gonna I did watch that to myself with final fantasy 15 I, I there's like this 100 no maybe 80 floor dungeon and there's this room with like these four like master tomberries in it who have like laser swords and kill you with like one hit and they hit you like five times uh, and then i reloaded my game up and i two or three floors from the end of that and i was in a room with four of those and i was like oh Oh, I was doing that, wasn't I? I can't play this anymore. <laughs> and I haven't played it since. So, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Valve acquires Firewatch developer Campo Santo. Um, so they've announced that they have agreed to join Valve, uh, where it will maintain their jobs as video game developers and continue production on its ancient Egyptian adventure in the Valley of the Gods. The announcement was made over last weekend uh, on a blog post on Campo Center's website in which the developer explained its reasoning for agreeing to the acquisition. Uh, First, they said, we really like making video games. Uh, Furthermore, and perhaps more accurately, we really like making and producing entertainment. Um, This is interesting because uh, Valve haven't really been shipping games for a while. Um, They've been pretty quiet on that front. Um, but you know, Gabe Newell recently announced that they're going to start shipping games again, uh, and they've also revealed that um, the company are working on three new VR games and a fully fledged single player title, uh, also alongside a, a Dota 2 themed card game artifact. Because everyone and their mother needs a fucking card game of some description uh, to make all that dollar dollar. But uh, yeah, so Camposanto, they've got Valley of the Gods, which is uh, expected to arrive in 2019. Uh, Firewatch is also still coming to Switch. That isn't changing at all, which is awesome because I, I really liked Firewatch from uh, 2016. Uh, Jesus, that's really two years ago. And yeah, and this is really cool. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the obvious response from everyone is Half-Life went. 
yeah, that's usually what it is. And still think that is the biggest history, history, big, biggest mystery in the history of video games. <laughs> yeah, I see we did that. Because nobody knows what happened. So No, there's, like, there's, there's only like um, kind of pre-concept artwork and stuff. And yeah, it's just... And every couple of years, there's like a big uh, article that comes out about like, oh, the Ministry of Half-Life 3. And everyone's like, oh my God, does that mean? And no, no, it's just no. You know, like the ESPN 30 for 30 series has these awesome <laughs> sport documentaries. I would love it if someone yeah. made one of those about the game industry, well, like 30 documentaries. And the first one has to be find everybody that was ever any way involved in, in Half-Life 3 and speak to them just to just so everyone can know what happened and what the current status well, of we, that we stuff have is. Danny O'Dwyer kind of doing something along those lines, but uh, yeah, uh, I think everyone just would like to know. And as I've always said, when Valve releases their own console, the first thing that will be in it will be Half Life Three. Yeah, but that do you know what? There was a lot of buzz around that happening a few years ago, uh, but then it just sort of went away again. So uh, they seem a very indecisive company. Hopefully they don't halfway through this acquisition of Campo Santo go, actually, no, we don't really want you. Uh, good luck within the Valley of the Gods. Bye. <laughs> uh, finally, in the news this week, Jack, are you ready for this? There's a new Doom movie in the works. Um, now, unlike The Rock's Doom that came out, 13 years ago uh this one probably won't come out of cinema uh it'll more likely be a, a netflix original nbc slash universal confirmed to variety that the new doom is being handled by universal 1440 entertainment uh, which makes non-theatrical productions directed directly for distribution uh so this will either be direct to dvd or on a digital platform uh we don't really know much about it to be quite honest other than the fact that, yeah, it's happening. We don't know if there's a, a director. Uh, we don't know, sorry, we don't know who the director is. Um, yeah, just we know it's happening. Um, can this be any worse than the first Doom film? Can it be worse? Yes. Is it likely to be worse? God, I hope not. Uh, because that was abysmal. Um, that's still to this day the one film that just took Dwayne Johnson and just completely ruined him. Like, he's good in everything. Me and Dave were saying this um, when we were talking about Plug for the Popcorn Social episode three, which has just gone up this past week. But we were talking in our uh, Rotten Tomatoes review score guessing game how basically you can just take any piece of shit now, just put the rock in it, and it will A make bank and b be pretty damn watchable but doom is unwatchable was, was and is, it, is rampage it, watchable i don't know what the yes yeah so, mark so let me set the scene within the first 10 minutes of the film the rock is flipped off by a giant albino ape <laughs> it gives him the finger and it was at that moment i was like i'm in <laughs> everything that happens from here on out i am in and right. yeah okay dude it's it's dwayne johnson and a giant fucking ape like i, I, I mean... will say this i will say this if they can find a way to to f like f channel the spirit and essence of doom 2016 into a film then there's a chance 
Um, they would have to Mad Max it, is my thought. They would. But, like, if they, like, like three seconds into the film, attempt to give you exposition, and then Doom Guy just punches an alien, in, a, a demon in the face, I could probably get on board with that. Yeah, it would need somebody with really strong personality. <laughs> Do you know what? If I was casting this, I probably would want to cast The Rock. That's the thing. It would need someone of his level of charisma. Wouldn't it be awesome if they cast John Cena? Like, <laughs> if every 10 years they attempt to remake Doom with just a different wrestler, like, and then a decade on, it's like Roman Reigns, and a decade on, it's like Randy Orton Jr. 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 we have John Cena to be Duke Nukem. Oh, I forgot he was doing that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Go see Blockers, by the way. That was a lot of fun. I've heard that's quite fun. I've heard that's... Uh... John Cena is quite the riot in that. Yeah, he butt chugs a beer like Steve-O from Jackass at one point in it. So yeah, fair play. Mini mini popcorn social. Ah, but I think this is a hor- I think this is a horrendous idea, Mark. Remaking Doom. I I I couldn't. I, it just doesn't translate at all, does it? I mean, it's like, only as horrendous as every other film from a game that they tried to make. So I don't know. It's. I mean, I'll probably yeah, watch it. Rampage isn't any good, but like, so the best part about Rampage is Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who is Negan in The Walking Dead, who is like this slow-talking badass kind of guy, Rick. You know, they turn him into like a enigmatic cowboy sheriff type character who seems to have free reign to walk across whatever arm of law enforcement that he likes whether it be the army the police or the fbi he just turns up he's like hey Dwayne, yep just room for one old cowboy over here and just repeatedly going into jeffrey dean morgan turning up and handing Dwayne johnson some form of a weapon or something it's just bananas mate it really is like uh, but yeah, I no, I don't want to see Doom. I I, do, I really don't want to see Doom. But p- please don't make me watch Doom, Mark. I mean, I'm not going to make you watch it. I'm, be, it sounds like you are. No, nope, I'm going to stay here in Ireland. You can you can watch it of your own accord. And on that bombshell, we are going to move on to our book club feature of this week. In what I'm not sure, it may be the first for this uh, feature. Uh, in this now long-running podcast series, uh, is a simulator game. Um, as we are going back to... Well, we're going to talk about a series of games under one umbrella. Uh, this week, we are talking about Roller Coaster Tycoon.
Rollercoaster Tycoon is a series of simulation video games about building and managing an amusement park. Each game in the series challenges players with open-ended amusement park management and development and allows players to construct and customise their own unique roller coasters and other thrill rides. The first game was created by Scottish programmer Chris Sawyer, with assistance from various leading figures from the real-world roller coaster and theme park industry. The rest of the series contains three other main games, expansion packs, a number of ports, and a mobile instalment. The most recent instalment, Rollercoaster Tycoon World, was released in November 2016. Uh, Jack, I'm going to start you off. Um, talk to me about where you come into this series uh, and kind of have you been there throughout uh, this series of games? Yes, Mark. I have been there since Rollercoaster Tycoon 1, uh, which I originally had on my PC and played probably far far too much uh so you say far too much i say perhaps not enough yeah uh there this is one of those games uh where it it's very easy to sit down and just have large parts of your life just disappear into the hours because the best thing about Roller Coaster Tycoon and, and the thing that I love about it is that you can go into as much or as little detail as you want to try and build your theme park. You can just build a theme park with the money they provide you in the game uh, with like pre-made roller coasters because there's a few designs for each one and you can just position things and you don't have to do any landscaping or change it the way things look. And you can probably eventually pass the scenarios. Or, Mark, like me, you can open your park, immediately like pause it so time doesn't go anywhere, spend three and a half hours trying to rebuild, like, I don't know, Nemesis or something from, uh, fr from Alton Towers, uh, and get frustrated and then come back to it the next day and realize that, like, it. It is amazing, but like there's an insane extremity level to it that no person in the game can ride it without immediately vomiting and then demolish it. And then, you know, you could easily spend just days upon days before you've even started your your scenario that you're trying to complete in Roller Coaster Tycoon. They could just disappear, uh, and you haven't even opened your park yet. That that is <laughs> that is the extent of it. It's just, I mean so so much fun if you have any kind of interest in anything like going up growing up as a kid if you enjoy going to like your disneyland's or your Alton towers your thor park or any of the big florida places and you'll immediately love this uh yeah it's <laughs> i don't know what's your relationship with it mark how much of it have you played and 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 tell me what you enjoy about it so i go back further in terms of um, the, the the roller coaster theme park simulation games because I was playing uh, the original theme park um, by Bullfrog Studios back in like 95 96 on the original PlayStation fucking um, hipster yeah I know right I tell you what um, and I was I was seriously addicted to that game um, like that kind of game when you're a child and when you know the cheat code to like just get everything and have infinite um, infinite amount of money um, means that you just you're left to your own create creative 
devices to just kind of make whatever you want to make. Um, and so years later, when I'd come to uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon, and I was a little bit more mature and, uh, you know, trying to play it legitimately, I found it tough at first to try and balance having a budget and, you know, doing R&D for uh, the different types of uh, amusement rides um, and trying to, you know, do crowd control and encounter the different scenarios that the game would put in front of you. Because I think Theme Park did have, like, different scenarios that it would present you with. But again, because I only ever did God Mode, basically, I was just like, well, I have all the money in the world, I'm just going to build everything, I'm going to make a roller coaster that is, like, the size of the fucking park. Um... So it wasn't until years and years later, it wasn't until the mobile release that came out um, last year, I think, or yeah, kind of early last year, that I truly understood what Roller Coaster Tycoon was and how to play it, like the way it was meant to be played. Um, because, you know, I had more years under me and like just everything made a lot more sense. Um, and it was also perfect to play on the mobile phone because uh, I used to tell I was playing it on my tablet, but it was a game that I could just take on the go. You know, I could fit in 45 minutes on the train on the way to work. Uh, and the, it's, you know, it's a game about micromanagement um, and it's a game about having to spin a number of plates uh, in one go, uh, which can be pretty stressful. Um, but as you do more, uh, as you build more parks, basically the more you build and the more you fuck up, the more you learn. But the whole building and creating to begin with, even after, to the point that you fuck up, is, you know, an integral and enjoyable part of the game that the fucking up part doesn't feel as bad because you've done everything beforehand. And so you're kind of constantly learning and refining about how to do crowd control, how to build a, a ride in a particular way to uh, manage, you know, where to put the queue uh, and where to put, like, the exit path. Like, where to put the cleaners and how many cleaners to have and kind of what specific area they should be cleaning if they should be doing just the cleaning or if they should be doing, like, the gardening and the maintenance as well. So, you know, before you know it, you have, like, 15 um, people just around the park you know, doing all those bits and bobs, which cost money. So you have to make sure that you have a specific amount of money put aside for that. Then you've got money that you need to put for like R&D so you can build more rides basically. And then get to the point that obviously you can build roller coasters. Um, and the thing that always kept me going is whenever the game would give me a scenario and it's like, okay, here's a theme park that already has a bunch of stuff. You need to keep it running for two years and make however much more money. Um, but like, you know, it start you and you've got like three roller coasters that are intertwined and going through the mountain. And you're like, how the fuck would, how would you even do that? And it is possible. Like, that's the thing that I, I like about it. Because if you think about a game like, say, uh, Tony Hawk's, where, you know, it gives you a creator park mode. But you're kind of still limited on the assets that you can use and what you can really make. You usually end up just making like a basic skate park. But with Roller Coaster Tycoon, you know, if you can see it, like that's been made, you can make it as well. It's all there in your hands and it's all just like, it's at your control and just at the limits of your imagination of what you want to do and what you want to make. Yeah, I completely agree. And it teaches you 
and indulges so many parts of like of your of your brain because you have that creative part that you just talked about but there's also like the logical part of like right here are the goals that i need to achieve and you have to figure out how to accomplishment accomplish them and then you have the whole financial side of it so like literally in roller coaster tycoon which by the way is the absolute pinnacle of the series and you can get it for like peanuts and and even now it stands up as just a fantastic fantastic game uh you have like a graph mark where it will show you like profits and loss and you know it's in video game form but if you're a kid and you're playing that like it's teaching you about the concept of a budget and how to manage your finances so that you don't like go out of business or whatever so i wonder how many kids played roller coaster tycoon uh the original or two or three and went on to become like small business owners or entrepreneurs and at certain point figured out like the the path that swayed them towards that was just really kind of enjoying that micromanagement element to a roller coaster tycoon uh yeah or you could just be the guy that's like i'm gonna take off the objectives I, I, I can figure out a way to do that. I've, I've got all the tools here, and that's what I'm going to do. So there's so many different ways you can approach it, like, and it just brings out different aspects of different personalities. Like, two, you know, a, a left-brain person and a right-brain person will play this game in completely different ways, have completely different experiences, but will still accomplish the same set of core objectives that they need to do and how many games can you think of that are like that i mean there's very few like maybe little big planet is one of them but other than that there's not a huge amount where it's just like well you sort of make your own adventure even though i mean got i mean minecraft is the obvious example but yeah yeah it's... of course but there's no real objectives like either in minecraft well, necessarily there's, there's the end goal there is the end game but i i do see where you come from and i do agree that um with roller coaster tycoon that you have those end objectives or the objectives of, of each map um but you know the way that you get there and the way that you want to build the park is is left to your own imagination you know yeah, and Chris Sawyer, by the way, just that guy, like, I, he's the sort of guy that I would love to meet and have a conversation with because he developed those, those first three uh, roller coaster hiking games and it's kind of since been taken out of his hands. But just the whole feel like there's a sort of personality to to his games like a like a the comedy element to it like the big characters like the real over the top presentation of it all and the way that people react and little things like that he includes in there that just it 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 really makes me smile like it's it's got just such a warm and friendly feel to it don't you think like everything is so innately and well designed within the game that you just kind of accept it as like the fabric of the reality that you're playing with yeah but you know what isn't is roller coaster tycoon for mobile 
<laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so the, to me, the main series, because they attempted to make a Rollercoaster Tycoon without Chris Sawyer a few years ago called Rollercoaster Tycoon World. So if we just put that to one side and fuck off and Vizio, because I don't care, uh, the spin-offs, Mark, have been varying degrees of an absolute <laughs> disaster. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the one that I was most... Um, acutely aware of was uh, Rollercoaster Tycoon for mobile uh, which was published by Atari and uh, it's just everything that you hate about mobile games or freemium mobile games because and there are those that out there that are good or at least enjoyable uh, this was terrible in every single way from you know clearly just trying to suck as much money out of you as possible um, you know, everything taking forever to actually build. They're not really being much, not really much like creativity that was in your hands in terms of making parks. Uh, just, just generally an unpleasant game to play. Yeah, it's it's sad when you see that because, uh, and I've mentioned it before actually on one of our interview shows, but. The whole team uh, that created Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, which is genuinely the masterpiece and the last big, you know, massive thumbs up in the Rollercoaster Tycoon series, they all kind of left and uh, planned Coaster, which is a, a game that came out a couple of years ago, which is, it, it really is the heir apparent to Rollercoaster Tycoon 3, and it it's a fantastic and really successful game. And all Atari have done really is kind of just gradually ground down everybody's affection and love for for the property by just bringing out like real duds <laughs> and like pale imitations of of what was once a, a brilliant series which is kind of sad because i feel like it's one of those hidden gems that once you you know about it and you, you play it like you, you just become completely obsessed with it like if you see people and you ask them for enthusiasm uh on kind of real cult type things like this then you're not just a fan like you you love it like and that's the thing about roller coaster tycoon anyone i've ever met that's played like a lot of roller coaster tycoon loves it it's that sort of band that only a few your friends know about or that film that didn't really do very well at the box office but everyone has the dvd of because they love it and yeah that's the thing i get from roller coaster tycoon so that community like a uh, it's a shame to see all of the things that have happened like with Atari since Rider Coaster Tycoon 3. So I'm I'm happy that we have Planet Coaster as a, an alternative now of of a theme park game that is good. But you know what? Time moves on sometimes, I suppose. Like you just kind of have to accept that maybe the sort of simulation real-timey game thing doesn't really happen as much anymore now i mean the the last sims i don't know what people's feelings were on that but i i don't remember it being overly positive and i i think that a lot of the the simulation games a lot of them have uh, migrated to social media or not social media but uh the mobile platform because it's a it's immediately more accessible uh, and B, uh, you know, it's just, it, there's a larger base of people that can play those games. Um, and there's a lot of money to be made on them. Um, you know, my my, uh, my girlfriend plays the, the Sims game. I think there's a few of them, but she plays one of them in particular that's on mobile. 
Um, and, you know, it's a lot like those uh, Simpsons tapped out games of that nature. Um, and, you know, it strips down a lot of the mechanics of what makes those type of games, but they're making money and you can't really argue with that. Um, but yeah, there is there is a lot to be said for the, the older type of simulation games. And, you know, like... As mentioned, there was the the port of Rollercoaster Tycoon and Tycoon 2, which came out on mobile last year, uh, which is a genuinely brilliant port of those games and like was one of my favourite games of last year. Um, now, looking ahead to the future, so uh, in 2018, in January of this year, uh, Atari Game Partners announced that they were seeking equity crowdfunding uh, in order to develop a new Rollercoaster Tycoon game for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, I would rather see, you know... A... I've been burned too many times before I, by Atari, I, I would I would rather see a Chris Sawyer-led uh, project for the Switch uh, before Atari game, you know, drag down the Rollercoaster Tycoon name any further. Yeah, or how about we get Planet Coaster for the Switch? That would work out All lovely. That, that works for me as well. I think we are due a... Uh, a, a, a roller coaster simulation game for the switch yeah definitely there are so many games that if the switch kind of partners up with like and, and develops a, a sort of steam like situation where it just has a back catalog of like old pc games and stuff like that would be amazing like imagine being able to play all those old sim games on on the switch it's perfect for them like old command and conquer games like rts or like black and white or any of the like age of empires or civilizations i feel like all of those would work perfectly on on the switch but i don't know how likely that is if nintendo can't even get the back catalog of their old properties out on there or whether they have a strategy for doing that or whatever but yeah uh I, i'd be happy if it was a return to form but i i doubt it I, at this point i've been let down too many times i've been let down by like rollercoaster tycoon 4 rollercoaster tycoon 3d rollercoaster tycoon touch <laughs> I, I just i can't it's it's too much for me now rollercoaster tycoon world was the first one as well it it just it's heartbreaking it's a facsimile of of once great and proud franchise so yeah i just be quite happy if they did release Rollercoaster Tycoon uh, 1 and 2 and 3 on the Switch I'd, that'd be it I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with that I guess but yeah a new game done and developed by Chris Sawyer that isn't flooded with microtransactions and nonsense would be uh, oh, it would be great I, I, I just don't expect it to happen that way well it's time of that show where we do the elevator pitch uh, Jack for anyone listening that's never played a Rollercoaster Tycoon game before uh, give them that 30 second elevator pitch so imagine yourself as a ruthless owner of a amusement park who is not only in control financially but is in control creatively logistically and logically of every aspect of managing that and the business lives or dies on your decisions but you can also at the same time develop things out of nowhere. You can build your own entire roller coaster. You can landscape and create different things and everything that is beautiful about your theme park you are in charge of. And you can 
just craft out of nowhere you can start with an entirely blank canvas with an infinite amount of money if you like or you can put yourself in a scenario where you have to beat various objectives all the while while having an absolute blast and uh yeah it's just the best and on that note um this podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast platforms. Just search the link to the cast, give us a subscribe, a rating, a review. It all helps. Please do. I am thirsty for those stars. The website is linktothecast.eu. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email at linktothecast.gmail.com. At some point this year, we might even open it and have a look. Uh, social media, we are at facebook.com forward slash linktothecast, and we are on Twitter at linktothecast. Uh, I am Mark Robinson. You can follow me at Lithium Project. Uh, my co-host this week, Jack Lazell, is at Jack Lazell. If, hey. game, he, if games aren't your only interest, we also have a few other podcasts for you available in this feed. We have the Grap Up, our once every few months pro wrestling podcast, generally including some combination of myself, Dave Ryan, Jack Lazell, and the Chair Shop podcast owner Barry Murphy. Uh, our most most recent show was a huge breakdown of the WrestleMania uh, weekend, our pre- preview of it. Um, we haven't done a review of it. Well, we have now. You had it at the start of this show. Uh, we also have the Popcorn Social, which is a monthly deep dive into the latest cinema offerings with friend of the show just on today, Jack Lazell and Dave Ryan. Hi. Uh, plus one offering from each of them on, on uh, every show from uh, their personal list of favorite movies. Um, the latest popcorn social feature uh, discusses Pacific Rim Uprising. Was, that was this uh, this episode. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Pacific Pacific Rim Uprising, Game Night, Red Sparrow, Isle of Dogs, The Square, Michael Inside, uh, plus old favorites Trouble with the Water and Moneyball. Uh, yeah, that... I gave Dave a film about sports and analytics, and he gave me a film about a natural disaster. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized why he's one of your best friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, that show went out on Wednesday, so that show is available now. That is uh, The Popcorn Social 3. Uh, so go and check that out. Uh, these podcasts, plus our weekly links to the cast flagship broadca- uh, broadcast, are available on the all in the same podcast feed. So one subscription to Links to the Cast on your favorite podcast platform will do the trick. Uh, and there are many, many, many other episodes because we are, you know, this is episode 108. Uh, we've had, I think, six or seven grab ups, and we've had now three popcorn socials. Uh, so there is plenty of content to dive back into. Have you ever successfully completed 108 of anything, Mark? Um, that is a topic that I will not record on air. Uh, oh. And for that bombshell, uh, I am Mark Robinson. He is Jack Lazell. Uh, we're not going to announce a, sh- uh, a game for next week because uh, it's kind of touch and go for who will be around. There's a very good chance it could be Jack again. Uh, not that I would complain about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, this is taking us back to when, you know, we were not in our 30s. So, you know. Oh, don't date us like that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on that sad note, we will see you again next time. I'm going to go put on a cardigan. <laughs> <laughs>